Welcome to Know Your Foe on Colts.com, an in-depth look at the upcoming matchup. Here are your hosts, Casey Vallier and former Colts wide receiver, Bill Brooks. Well, welcome in to Know Your Foe right here on Colts.com. I am your host, Casey Vallier, and I am joined by Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. It's a short week, Thursday night football, the Colts on the road in Denver to square off against the Broncos. And to get us caught up on everything Broncos is Nick Kosmider, who covers the Broncos for The Athletic. Nick, thank you so much for the time, and I really appreciate you joining us. No, I'm glad to be with you guys. Thank you. Well, as I mentioned earlier, short week, and both these teams kind of have a similar start to the year. Both of them really haven't gotten off to the fast starts we expected. Both offenses kind of struggling out of the gate. Before we dive into the product on the field, I want to start with a new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett there in Denver. We saw the outpour from the week one decision for the uh, 64-yard field goal attempt. What have been the overall impressions of Nathaniel Hackett through his first four games? Yeah, well, you you mentioned it. Certainly, I think Nathaniel Hackett began his uh, young NFL coaching career here with uh, a bit of a firestorm. Uh, as you mentioned, the Broncos were trailing the Seattle Seahawks by one point late in the fourth quarter of their week one matchup in Seattle. Russell Wilson, after 10 years with the Seahawks, going back um, to play his old team for the first time, um, you know, sort of supposed to kind of be his, his game-winning drive to lead. Right. And they're at a fourth and five at, at the 46-yard line, and, and Nathaniel Hackett elects to kick a 46-yard field goal with, with a minute still left on the clock. And, you know, that was followed by the, the week two win, um, kind of a grinding win over the Texans, um, in which there was a lot more sort of operational errors, right? Like a couple delay of game penalties, um, just a general, um, you know, struggle with game management in, in that game. And so, um, th- there was a lot of criticism. He has since hired a uh, former Baltimore Ravens assistant, Jerry Rossberg, to be uh, kind of a game day manager voice for him. Uh, and that's calmed things from that perspective a little bit. Um, and, and, but now it's just, again, you mentioned a little bit about getting this offense on track. So I, I think he's, he's faced some, some criticism. I think players are sticking behind him because, um, you know, he's, he's been transparent uh, with, about his own mistakes with them. And I think that's resonated. Um, but he certainly has to continue to show here in his first season uh, that he can fix some of the, the early mistakes from the first four games. Now, one of the things we just kind of alluded to is that slow start. Now, I want to talk about Russell Wilson, future Hall of Famer. Is the transition a little slower than people thought? Is that just a national view, or you, know, you watch this team every day, is that kind of the correct assumption that we have seen with Russell Wilson in this offense? Yeah, I, I think there there has been um, sort of the view that this offense certainly isn't um, operating at the way that they thought that it would um, early on in the season. And I think it would, it would have been naive. Um, and, and, you know, I certainly did not try to frame it as though there wouldn't be some learning curve involved in it, right? Because even some of the best quarterbacks um, in the league who have happened to change teams, guys like uh, Tom Brady, guys like Peyton Manning, who also came here to Denver, um, as you guys well know, um, <laughs> they have, they've had struggles in those early, right. um, in those early moments, you know, Matt Ryan's going through some of the same stuff. Uh, you know, we, we saw it with Matthew Stafford before they kind of got going yeah, last year true. the Rams. So I think some of this is to be expected. It's, it's, you know, we just expect these guys because they've been great quarterbacks to, Hey, hop over here and do the, do the same thing. There is an adjustment period. And I think Russell Wilson has shown some real flashes. I, I mean, he, he had some just really phenomenal plays and they're, then their loss to the Raiders on Sunday, uh, particularly in the first half. He was 11 for 12 with 140 yards, uh, ended up throwing two touchdown passes, running for another. So we saw a lot of that Russell Wilson 
uh, in that game. I think now it's a matter of them putting it um, consistently together, not being so boom or bust. You know, that they have the largest percentage of their drives in the league that end in punts, and yet they still are sort of a middle-of-the-road offense because they have this really big strike uh, capability. So it's about, for them, kind of erasing these lulls that they go through in games where they're punting three, four times in a row on a consistent basis. Now, Nick, with the unfortunate loss of Javante Williams for the season uh, with a knee injury, what are the expectations from the running back group with Melvin Gordon this rest of the season? Yeah, well, that you mentioned that's certainly a, a tremendous loss for the Broncos. Javante Williams, one of the kind of up-and-coming young running backs uh, in the NFL, kind of a complete back who, um, you know, they liked as a pass protector, um, could catch the ball in the backfield, and just a really strong physical runner who kind of brought that physical tone to the offense so that's going to be um you know tough to replace now at almost any other time in his career the, the idea of going to having melvin gordon be the guy that replaces your starting running back would be a very comforting right, feeling right this is, guy who, this is a guy who in his career has i mean he's among the active leaders among active running backs and rushing yards touchdowns you name it he's he's been that kind of guy throughout his career but he is right now going through just a, a pretty incredible um, you know, fumble problem um, that, that has plagued him um, just really strongly this year. We're talking four fumbles uh, and 45 touches. And I went back and looked, and since 2000, there's only been 14 non-quarterbacks who have fumbled four times in their first four games, and, and none of them had as few touches um, to have those fumbles wow. as Gordon has had this year. And three of his fumbles, uh, he's had three fumbles in, the, in his last 11 games as a player that have been returned for touchdowns. And so these are just, these are just you know, kind of almost unfathomable results. So he has got to get through that because now they're leaning on him. He's got to be the guy that, that, they, that carries them through this absence of Javante Williams. Um, and, and, you know, I think at this point it's a mental thing that he's going to have to, he's going to kind of have to battle through. Now, Nick, I want to move out to the wide receivers now. Cortland Sutton is the clear number one receiver for the Broncos. But what are the overall thoughts on Jerry Judy to this point in his young career? I, I think with Jerry Judy, it's all about consistency. He's a guy that shows some tremendous flashes, can make some great plays down the field. You saw it from week one. He had a 67-yard touchdown catch from Russell Wilson in which um, you know he really wrestled the ball and went up over rookie cornerback Kobe Bryant for the Seahawks and then outran everybody into the end zone. So it was one of those kind of, you know, jaw dropping plays that they really thought that he could provide when they drafted him in the first round uh, back in 2020. Um, the problem with Jerry Judy is that those, those moments have not been strung together. He has, he has an incredible ability, but I think he's still learning how to kind of, you know, be a pro on a play to play basis and make sure that he's, he's doing his exact job every single play. Um, so that so that those kind of catches are not like exceptions. They're they're more of kind of a consistent contribution that that he is making. Um, you know, he already ha he has two touchdowns this year, which is already two more than he had last year. He, he played in ten games, had had an ankle injury, but never found the end zone. Um, so already does have two touchdown catches this season, and, and I think has shown uh, shown that this could be the best year of his career. He just has to kind of consistently put it together because again. This offense, um, it, it needs to find like consistent traction, and I think one way that they can do that is by having Jerry Judy uh, become a consistent pass catching presence for Russell Wilson. 
We're talking with Nick Cosmider, who covers the Broncos for The Athletic. I want to flip over the defensive side of the ball. Bradley Chubb looks like he's really bounced back after kind of a down year last year. I know he only played in seven games, but didn't have any sacks. I think very few quarterback hits. Have you noticed a big increase in Bradley Chubb's play? Yeah, he's, Bradley Chubb has been, been excellent, and, and teammates and coaches really saw this from the very start of the offseason. This was the first offseason he's really had since after his rookie year in which he wasn't rehabbing an injury ah. so he got to just fully focus on you know kind of his individual development of, of getting better of getting ramped up for the season um and and he has just been kind of a you know he's been a great leader for that defense you see him before every practice he's walking up and down the stretch line um you know high-fiving everybody the guy that gets everybody going for for practice so he's he's not only had the opportunity to be healthy and have that kind of factor into his offseason, but he has really taken the leadership mantle. Um, you know, now that Von Miller is no longer uh, a Denver Bronco uh, after getting traded at the deadline last year. So I think that's been a really positive development to see Bradley Chubb, you know, again, healthy going in. This is a contract year for him. So he's, he's kind of playing for that right. second contract. Um, and, and he's shown up so far. Uh, you, you know, he's again. You mentioned three sacks. Two of those came in the opener, but but he's been able to apply consistent pressure. The question now will be uh, Randy Gregory, who, the, the big free agent acquisition, right. who opposite Bradley Chubb was playing really well, had two sacks, two strip fumbles, and, and was among the league leaders in pressure rate. Uh, he went down with a knee injury against the Raiders on Sunday. Went to IR. He won't be back until at least November thirteenth. So can Bradley Chubb continue to? Um, you know, provide that pressure without Gregory taking some of that weight off of him on the other side. Now that brings me right to my next point. With with the loss of Gregory, who do you anticipate kind of stepping into that spot? And and do you do you see maybe a a slip from what the progression has been from Chubb to this point? Well, you know, I, I think that they have found ways in the past to uh, w- one thing that defensive coordinator Ejero Evero has done well is sort of mix up his pressures. They've had a lot of times where you'll see three outside linebackers. Uh, on the field sometimes he'll even line up on the same side and then he'll bring blitz pressure from from the other side he, he's really kind of mixed that up so that he can get um, you know one-on-one matchups for for Bradley um, but there but there will be a, 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 a drop-off from what Randy Gregory has provided there's just no way around that right um, but but a guy that they are excited about is, is Baron Browning now he, he he was a third round draft pick out of Ohio State in 2021 played inside linebacker last year got moved to the outside this offseason because the new staff you know looking at his tape saw this you know saw this bend as a pass rusher that they thought would make him really good on the outside and he was arguably Denver's best player during the preseason um had done some good things as the number three pass rusher but now uh Evero said he he's going to get a lot more pass rush opportunities than he did in the first four games uh simply because he's going to be starting opposite Bradley Chubb. So I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see what he can do with a more consistent role because we saw some of his talent during the preseason. Now, Nick, I want to move back to the secondary. Now, last year, cornerback Pat Sertan had a standout rookie season, and it looks like he's having a great season this year. What improvements have you seen in this young man this season? Yeah, I you know, Pat Sertan might be the team's MVP right now. I think it's either he or Cortland Sutton. Um, he has been phenomenal. Um, you know, you saw it on Sunday against Devontae Adams. I, I think they were matched up on, on eight targets um, for Adams, uh, and, and he only allowed four of those to be completed for, for 40, 42 yards, I believe, um, and, and had three pass deflections among those incomplete passes. Um, and, and Coach Evero said afterwards, you know, that's about as good as you can do against that. <laughs> right, guy. absolutely. And, 
Yeah, and so I, I think that kind of just went to show that he – I think the biggest improvement in, in Pat Sertan is just him knowing who he is. Like, he under he understands that he is one of the best cornerbacks already in this game and, and is sort of carrying himself that way. He's taking it upon himself to, to really sort of um, own these own these matchups that he is in on the outside. Um, and, and, and I think other guys are sort of feeding off of that, that confidence that he, that he has had. Cause the secondary has played really well up to this point this season. And, and again, it's, it's one of those deals where you saw last year, four interceptions, um, you know, was an all rookie selection, but, but he has, he has been far and away, uh, even better this season. Now you mentioned that the secondary has been playing well this year and, and Justin Simmons, one of the leaders on defense has been sidelined due to injury, but the defense is still playing well. What is the reason for their good play against the pass this season? Well, I think part of it is there's a lot of continuity in the scheme, right? Um, you know, Gerald Evero worked for Vic Fangio, the former coach and defensive play caller, um, you know, about a, you know, 10 years or so ago in San Francisco, and he really kind of adopted that too high safety defense as his own. Um, so there's a lot of continuity there. Um, but I also just think you, you've got players who you know, have been playing together now. You, you mentioned Justin Simmons got hurt in the opener. He's been out, but um, the, the guy that replaced him, Caden Stearns, his second year in the defense, playing alongside Kareem Jackson, the veteran, who this is his fourth year um, you know, in that same defense, Ronald Darby, uh, his second year. So there, there's a lot of continuity. Uh, and then the free agent that they brought in, Nickelback, Kwan Williams, um, he, he's been a big addition. He, he's, uh, he, he sets a physical tone. He's a guy that you know, forces fumbles. He had a sack against the Raiders. Kind of just is that that Swiss Army knife player who does a little bit of everything. And, and I think he's been been a solid addition as well. So that that's what I would say. I think the biggest thing is just the continuity. And because Pat Sertan is so good as in an individual one on one basis, uh, it allows them to sort of commit a lot of resources uh, elsewhere and and sort of prevent a lot of the big plays that could happen from you know getting guys on an island. Well, final thing with Nick Kosminer, who covers the Broncos for The Athletic. It's a short week, and both teams probably in not desperate need, but both could use a victory with all the injury concerns we have heading into this short week. What are your expectations for Thursday? To be honest, my expectations are that it's going to be kind of a slog. You know, I think these are two <laughs> teams that are offensively trying to find themselves right now, and so you add that to what is a short week, um, some key players for both teams being unavailable. I, I think you're going to see kind of a you know a gritty, grinded out game um, that will come down to to the fourth quarter, and I think it'll ultimately be decided by you know which team makes fewer mistakes. Uh, both both teams have been plagued by that um, to a degree with the fumbling and, and things of that nature. So um, if you're looking for a work of art, um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily point to this game. Wait till Sunday. I, I yeah, <laughs> but I do think it'll be entertaining in that um, again, two teams as you mentioned. Um, maybe just shy of that desperation mode. Um, really need both really need a win to kind of get their seasons back on track, and, and I think that'll turn into some um, some really dramatic moments, if if not you know purely beautiful ones. Well, there you go. We'll see what happens on Thursday. That's Nick Cosmider of the Athletic who covers the Broncos. Nick, thank you so much and enjoy the game. Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. As we've mentioned, it's a short week for the Colts as they travel to Denver to take on the Broncos on Thursday night football. The team will get a mini buys. They have the weekend off before getting back on the field next Sunday when the Jacksonville Jaguars come to town. And to help us dive into the Jags, we're going to talk with Demetrius Harvey, who is a Jags reporter for the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. But prior to that, the Colts take on the Broncos on Thursday night football. For Bill Brooks, I'm Casey Valiant. Go Colts. Go Colts.